Okay, well, we'll go ahead and jump right back into the Word of God today. And if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and be turning to John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. And I was just thinking as we were going through Sunday school there that I I promise you I didn't plan this out. We're just going through in order. But uh, we're kind of still continuing along the same theme as what we did in our Sunday school class uh, for those who were here during that hour. And uh, so I guess maybe it laid a bit of a foundation for it. I don't know. But anyway, what we've been doing in this uh, service is uh, a series I've called Refocus. We're trying to get a more clear view of who Jesus is, what he's about through the uh, gospel, uh, the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've been a little bit of everywhere between them. But for the past several weeks, we've been in the book of John. And John focuses a lot more on Jesus' end of his life, okay? Uh, he spends about half of the half of the book of John on uh, the first three years of Jesus' ministry, and then he spends like the last half of it on like the final week or so. And so we kind of see as we're going through this that John puts a lot more emphasis on Jesus' final days. But we're in the final six months right now. We haven't even got the halfway point of the book of John yet. And anyway, uh, in these uh, past few weeks, what we've looked at, I'll just say last week, I won't go too far back, okay? But what we looked at last week is that Jesus came uh, to the blind man, the man who was born blind, and uh, he made a clay, he put on his eyes, and he healed him, sent him to go wash, and he came back seeing. And so he healed the blind man, and this is uh, further inciting the religious leaders. They're not liking Jesus. They're not liking the fact that people are following him. They're not liking the fact that he is doing things that they said only God could do because Jesus is God. And so over and over, Jesus is doing things that provoke the religious leaders, and he's doing it intentionally because he is setting his face toward the cross. He came to die. And so he's going to die in God's timing and according to God's plan. And anyway, so he's doing these things that's going to bring the, the hatred and the malice of the religious leaders. But anyway, as we were looking, uh, seeing Jesus through the eyes of the blind man, we saw that the blind man was helpless and hopeless, and he was in need of a miracle. We saw that Jesus fixed him by a means that many would find offensive. He spit on the dirt, made clay, and smeared it on his face on the Sabbath day of all days, right? Uh, but it was effective whenever it was accepted by faith. The man took God at his word, did what Jesus told him, and he received his sight. Uh, the blind man then followed Jesus, but as he was following Jesus, there were many that turned against him. There were more, many that weren't happy about it. Okay, And then Jesus used the good and the bad to grow his faith, to build him up, until the day that the blind man met Jesus face to face, fell down and worshipped him. Right? And the way that we related that to ourselves is that each of us are helpless and hopeless, lost in sin, and without any way that we can save ourselves, we are in need of a miracle. Jesus did something that is offensive to most. Whenever you preach the cross of Christ, it is foolishness to the world, but to us who are saved, it is the power of God. Okay? And so God chose an offensive way to bring about salvation to the world, and it must be accepted by faith. Mm -hmm. I am a sinner without hope outside of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, but through his blood I can have eternal life. So I'm thankful for that. And whenever we start following him, we're not going to be popular. 
It's not going to be uh, something that sets well with society, with even religion, and oftentimes even our own families. People are going to forsake us when we live according to godly principles. But as we go about our lives and we live for God, God will use the good and the bad. He will work all things together for our good and for his glory to build us up, to build our faith. And one day we will see him face to face. And on that day, it will be worth it all. Every tear that we shed, every problem we go through, every pain on this earth, this life will be but a vapor. And when we see Jesus face to face, we will be glad for every one of them. And so anyway... Uh, today we're going to be building off of that story, off of the context of that, because when we come to chapter number 10, uh, this blind man has been cast out of the synagogue. He has been uh, rejected by the religious leaders, and he has left them, and now he is following after Jesus. In other words, he left one fold for another, and he has changed a bad shepherd for the good shepherd. And Jesus is going to use this situation to teach about what it means to be a Good shepherd. And I said this builds on what we did in Sunday school as well because we were talking about Paul as a shepherd, right? And so, anyway, uh, the religious leaders were the self proclaimed shepherds. And as I said, they cast the blind man out, and Jesus had healed him, welcomed him in, took him to himself. And the way that the, the religious leaders treated this blind man was typical of their day. Okay? They were using uh, religion to elevate and to enrich themselves. And Jesus is going to, as I said, he's going to school them on what it means to be a good shepherd. So let's look at John chapter number 10. And I'm going to read several verses here. I want to read Jesus' words here. And then we'll get into uh, a little bit more of uh, what Jesus is saying in these verses. So verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not in by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger. This parable Jesus spake unto them, but they understood not what things they they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them, again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly." I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so... Know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, that they, uh, that they shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay, down my, I lay it down of myself. 
I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, we thank you so much for this uh, scripture that we have before us today. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we just ask you that you would take this and apply it to our hearts and our lives. I pray that you would just guide and direct me as I preach the things that we've studied out, bring it back to my mind, or that, bring it back in remembrance that I can clearly speak these things. And Lord, I just pray, help me not to, to say anything that I shouldn't. I just pray, Lord, that you would be with each person here, that they would receive from the service exactly that which they need. If there's anyone here today that don't know you as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day that they would put their faith and trust in you. I ask you, Lord, that you be with these requests that went up earlier. Pray so much for Mary and her for her daughter. I just pray that you would touch that situation. I pray that you be with all of the turmoil and the struggle that's going on over in the Middle East. Lord, I know your, your people are in the midst of that, and I just pray that you would do the, the needed work there. We know there's so much uh, as far as end times prophecy that's caught up in that. But, Lord, we trust you to do that which is good and right and in your own timing, Lord. And we thank you so much for all that you do and all you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. And amen. So as we look at this passage, the Jews were very familiar with sheep and with shepherds. And uh, they relied on sheep for food, for clothes, and for sacrifices. And so the, the hills of Judea, the hills of uh, all of Israel had sheep everywhere you go. That was one thing that we always enjoyed whenever we first moved to Ireland was the sheep everywhere. The one house that we lived in, there was a, a field of sheep just across the road. And on the summer nights, we'd leave the window open and all night long in between the cars going by, you would hear the sheep out in the field. That was, a, that was something that was neat for us. But in Ireland, we're not familiar with the idea of a shepherd. The sheep here don't have a whole lot of uh, natural enemies unless there's a dog nearby. And so the sheep can be left in the green fields and in the pastures uh, to safely eat by themselves. They're fenced in. They've got water. They've got everything that they need. And so there's not much need for a shepherd. But even in Ireland, you go to some of the more rugged areas, there will be uh, people who are constantly going out and checking on the sheep. They may not live with them. They may not lead them out as a shepherd does, but they have to keep watch and protect them mm -hmm. because sheep are pretty, uh, they're dumb. <laughs> okay. They are. And not only that, they're pretty defenseless. Yeah. And so they need someone who's going to watch over them and who's going to take care of them or they quickly get themselves in trouble. It's no wonder why the Lord so often related his people to sheep because left to ourselves, we get ourselves in trouble quite frequently, right? But anyway, that's, that's a side note on this. These people were very familiar with sheep. They were familiar with shepherds. And shepherds were the, the lowly people. They were the working class and kind of the lower end of the working class. They were kind of despised amongst the people of Israel, even though they were so necessary to everything in Israel. That was one of the things that was so amazing that whenever Jesus was first born, that the angels would come to the shepherds instead of to the kings or the priests or someone. They came to the shepherds, to the common people. And so the, they were familiar with these things, and they were these shepherds, though despised, they were a very important part of the process. Uh, but not only were they familiar with shepherds, they were also familiar with the Hebrew Scriptures. And if you look back through the Old Testament, you find shepherds and sheep and shepherding mentioned quite frequently. One of the most uh, familiar and most famous of those passages would be the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. And the Lord is comparing himself to the lowly shepherd caring for the sheep. Uh, not only that, but we also find the prophets that are railing against the shepherds of Israel, not the ones that are keeping 
over the, the little woolly white sheep, but over God's flock of the house of Israel. And there is warnings in Ezekiel chapter number 34, woe unto the shepherds of the house of Israel. Right? And that's a very good chapter. If you go through that, it's, it's a good chapter uh, raising up what a good shepherd is supposed to be and comparing it to what Israel had. Okay? But anyway, they were familiar with these. And if their thoughts as Jesus is saying these, uh, these statements about the good shepherd and about the thieves and the robbers and the hirelings and all this, the religious leaders' minds would be going back to these passages in Ezekiel. They would be going back to the warnings and the woes to the shepherds in Israel because these men had made themselves to be leaders of the flock, but God didn't make them leaders of the flock. Basically, what Jesus is telling them is you are thieves and you are robbers. You have not came in the right way. And so anyway, his statements made it very clear that he was contrasting himself with these people who hated him and wanted to kill him. And so this is going to further incite their hatred and their violence against him. And it, instead of them getting it right, they're going to end up crucifying him before it's over with. And so for us today, most of us are unfamiliar with shepherding. Most of us are unfamiliar with keeping sheep. And it seems a little foreign to us. And so I want to explain a little bit about this passage that we just read. Whenever Jesus said in this first section here, verses 1 through 5, he is talking about the sheepfold. He's talking about the porter and the shepherd and things. And what they would have in uh, first century Israel, and by the way, if you go to Israel, this is still something that's practiced there today in different Middle Eastern countries. What they would have is they would have a sheepfold at most villages, at towns, and at cities. This would be a walled-off area or a hedged-about area that whenever shepherds were coming into town, that they would be able to put their flock into that fold, into that walled-off area or that uh, separated-off area, and leave them in the care of the porter until they returned. Okay, So the shepherd comes back from the wilderness. He comes back from maybe spending weeks or months out there, and he needs to spend some time, take care of business, business in town or at home or whatever, and he leaves the sheep in that fold under the care of the porter, and he goes away, trusting that they are going to be safe until he returns. But uh, whenever he returns, he's going to uh, come to the, to the door, he's going to come to the porter, and he is going to call out to his sheep. His sheep are going to hear his voice, and they're all going to come running to him, okay? They're all going to come running to him. And this is how it worked. There was a safe space for all of the flocks to come and be kept in that area until the shepherd came for them. And Jesus is painting a picture. It says it's a parable here. He's painting a picture for the Jews. This fold that we're seeing here was the nation of Israel that are all come together. And Jesus, as the shepherd, is coming and calling out the ones that belong to him. Okay? And so that's what he is saying in this first passage. And, and he's coming to collect his sheep. His flock's going to respond. They're going to follow. And the first thing that we find, and so I'm going to kind of do like I normally do. We're going to go down through this in order. The first thing that we find is that as a shepherd, he had to come the right way. He had to come the right way. He had to have a claim to the sheep. He had to be coming there as one who had the authority, one that had the ability to take those sheep to himself. He is comparing himself to those who are thieves and of robbers. The thieves and the robbers would climb over the wall, try to steal sheep, get it away, right? Try to break down the wall, try to come some other way, because if they come to the door, they're not going to be let in. The only ones that could come in 
to the to the sheepfold was the shepherds, and they had to meet the right qualifications. And so whenever Jesus was standing before the religious leaders, they are making all kinds of accusations against him. They have said that he is casting out demons by Beelzebub. They're saying that he is of the devil. They're saying that he is a heretic and a false teacher. And they are uh, hurling all kinds of insults and accusations against Jesus. But Jesus is coming before these religious leaders, and he is saying, I have come the right way. As you go through the scriptures, as you look at all the prophecies and predictions of who Jesus would be and how he would come, Jesus fulfilled them all. He is the one that was uh, out of the tribe of Judah, the right tribe. He came out of the right family, out of the, the house of David. He was born in the right town in Bethlehem. He was born of a virgin. He went down to uh, Egypt, and out of Egypt, the Lord called his son forth. Uh, we find that he lived a pure and a holy and a perfect and sinless life, that whenever he came of age, that he went about doing good and he was performing miracles. He was doing things that no man else or no other man could do. Even the Lord testified, God testified from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, did it twice. And then finally, whenever it came time for him to go to the cross, he was betrayed by a friend, prophesied. He was crucified amongst sinners, amongst criminals, prophesied. He was buried amongst the rich, that was also prophesied. And he spent three days and three nights in the grave, over which on the third day he rose victorious, just as it said in scriptures. He came the right way. He went by the right means. He fulfilled all of the prophecies and all of the passages that referred to him. And we have great reassurance in our faith whenever we look at the word of God because no man could do this unless he is sent of God. No man could do this by accident or on purpose. The only way these things could happen, the only way this could be fulfilled is if Jesus is who he said that he was, if he truly is the son of God, and if he is the son of God, he has a right to claim his sheep for himself. And so he came the right way. And we have great, as I said, we have great reassurance as we look through these things because all the other religions in the world cannot make these claims. There is no one else who has come the way that God has prescribed except for Jesus. All the rest of them are thieves and they are robbers. All the rest of them are not worthy to take on his flock. But he was worthy. He was the one that came the right way. He was the one that came at the right time. And he is the one who did all the things that his father sent him to do. And so he had a right to those sheep. So he came the right way. The second thing that we find in this is not just that he came the right way, is that he claimed the right sheep. He claimed the right sheep. Because if you look at that large fold that was there, it wasn't just one flock that was in that fold. This was the fold that was at the city, the village, the town, and all the shepherds would come. They would put their sheep in together, and I don't know if you've realized this or not, about all sheep look alike. <laughs> you know, you mix like a thousand sheep together, you're going to be able to pick out the same ten every time? Okay, so they put all the sheep together in that one fold. They put them all together in that one place, and they were all mixed together, and whenever the shepherd came to call his sheep out, he didn't go through inspecting all of them and try to figure out, are you mine or are you his? He wasn't going through and looking at ear tags. He wasn't going through and looking for branding. He wasn't going through and trying to differentiate. They didn't have spray paint like you see these pink and blue and whatever sheep. 
they had no way of identifying their sheep, but what they did do is each shepherd had his own unique call. This is something they still do to this day. You can go over into the Middle East and you can see them doing this. Each shepherd have their own unique call. And as they're coming to their sheep, they can call out to their sheep and their sheep recognize their voice. Their sheep hear their voice and their sheep respond to their voice and follow them. And so Jesus is telling the people here, I have come and I have made my voice known. I have came and I have called unto my sheep and there are some that are coming out from Israel. There are some that are following me. You have the 11, 11 disciples. We don't want to count Judas in there, right? You have the 11 disciples. You had the blind man. You had all these others that Jesus was picking up multitudes that were following after him. But for every person who followed after him, there were several who didn't. There were several that rejected. The religious leaders said, I want nothing to do with him. And they persecuted him. They killed him. And so there were those who rejected Jesus, but there were those who followed him. What was the difference? He says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep hear me and my sheep follow me. And so he claimed the right sheep. It was all based on how they responded to his voice. It's all based on how they responded to his voice. And whenever I say he claimed the right sheep and that there were some that believed and some that didn't believe, I'm not talking about Calvinism. I'm not talking that God chose some to save and some to damn. That's not what I'm talking about. But what God did choose is all that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. What he did do is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so they heard and they responded to him because they were his sheep, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you have heard God's conviction in your heart, if God has dealt with you and you responded and put your faith and trust in him as your savior, you are his sheep. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Mm -hmm. This isn't difficult. And so his sheep heard and they followed. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, it says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He hasn't chosen anyone for damnation. He wants all of the sheep that will follow him. But not all of them are going to follow. Not all of them are going to recognize his voice. Not all of them are going to respond to his voice. But as many as believe, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. His sheep know his voice, and so he claimed the right sheep. As the word is preached or proclaimed, all those who hear and respond are his. Simple as that. He came the right way. He claimed the right sheep, and he closes them in safely. He closes them in safely. Let's skip down to verse number seven. It says, Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door. We have two different I am statements in this passage. For one, he says, I am the good shepherd. Here he says, I am the door. In the first passage that we looked at in verses one through five, he talks about the shepherd having right to come and claim his sheep, right? But now he says he is the door. And so he has changed illustrations. He's changed uh, his picture a little bit because guess what? They didn't understand him. They knew about sheep. They knew about shepherds, but they were dull of hearing. They were blind. And so he changes his illustration. Whenever the shepherd would lead his sheep out of this common fold, he would lead them out into the wilderness. He would lead them out to where there was still waters. He would lead them out to where there was green pastures. And that was constantly changing. There, if you go to Israel, 
I don't suggest going right now. But if you go to Israel, uh, with each season, there is great changes. You'll go to a pasture in one season, and it will be brown and dry and nothing there. You come back a month or two later, and it will be green and flourishing. And the shepherds had to know where to lead their sheep to. And so whenever Jesus led the sheep out, the ones that were his, out of the fold of Israel following him, he took them out to green pastures. He took them out to still waters. He prepared a table in the presence of their enemies, right? But what the shepherd would do whenever he was out in the wilderness is he would construct a fold. Because guess what? The shepherd had to sleep sometime. I'm glad our Lord never sleeps, by the way. But he had to sleep at some point in time. And so he would construct a fold out in the wilderness, and he would have a place where rocks were, were built up. And by the way, if you think Ireland is rocky, Israel is even more rocky than Ireland is. Rocks aren't hard to find. And so he would construct a wall around, and he, at night he would put his sheep into that wall, into that, that fold, and he would lay across the opening, and the shepherd would become the door. It's pretty neat, isn't it? And so his sheep would be inside the wall, protected, and the only way that a sheep could get out would be through the door, through the shepherd. And the only way anything could get into the sheep, they had to go through the door, through the shepherd. Nothing could get to the sheep unless it passed through the shepherd. And so whenever Jesus leads us out, whenever he uh, calls us, whenever he claims us, he also closes, it, closes us in, he protects us. Okay, There is nothing that can touch you unless it passes through him. There is no way that you can get out of his fold except through him. And it says that he has lost none of his, right? And so as we see in this passage that he is protecting, he is caring, he has sealed them in to his fold. He is the opening, he is the doorway, he is the only way in or out. He is the door. And so he is the only way to be saved and to be safe. It says here in verse number nine, I am the door by me. If any man shall enter in, he shall be saved. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh to the father, but by me, he is the only door. And when you enter into through him, then you are safe. And he says, you can go in and out and find pasture. Why? Because you are following him. You are with him. The shepherd keeps his sheep. Okay. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it tells us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of the redemption of the purchase possession. What that means is that Jesus has bought us, he has paid for us, and he has kept us until he comes back to get us to take us to where he's at. He's going to one day take us home with him. We are saved, we are secured, we are in Christ, and there is no way that we can get out and there is no way that Satan can get into us. A lot of times we go through this life thinking that we are out here on our own, that we're out here defenseless and unprotected and the devil's just fighting against us and beating on us whenever we don't realize that before the devil can ever come to us, it's got to pass through Jesus. We see that in the book of Job whenever Job is wanting to come against uh, God's followers. God says, have you ever considered my servant Job? And Satan says, yeah, I've considered him, but you have him hedged about. You have him protected. You have him in a fold. I can't get to him. Right? And the only thing that 
Satan could do to Job is what God allowed. And God only allowed what was for Job's good and God's glory, even though it was a rough patch for a while, right? And so we're kept safe until he comes back to get us and to take us home. He's never going to leave us. He won't forsake us. He won't cast us out. And no one can pluck us out of his hand. We have those assurances. And as I said, not even Satan can come against us because we are safe in the safe in the care of the shepherd. The fourth thing that we see, he came the right way. He claimed the right sheep. He closes us in safely. And he cares for us supremely. So not only does he keep out the thieves and the robbers, that's protection over us, right? But he also leads us to find pasture. I've already quoted part of Psalm 23, but he is the good shepherd. He is making sure that we are well fed, that we are well watered, we are safe from the enemy. That's how he cares for us. He, David may have wrote about uh, the Lord is my shepherd, but Jesus is that shepherd. We can take great security, great satisfaction in that. And so he keeps out the thieves and the robbers. That's protection. He leads us to find pasture. That's provision. But he doesn't keep us pinned up. You notice that? It says, verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. That's liberty. We have liberty in Christ, not liberty to sin, but liberty to serve the Savior. We have liberty to get to know him, to follow him, to let him lead us, let him impact our lives, let him watch over our souls. Keep picturing the sheep in your mind, okay? I don't know if you're as weird as I am, but can you picture the, the sheep in your mind and how the shepherd is taking care of them? The safest place they can be is in sight of the shepherd. Y'all realize that? And if the sheep gets out of the shepherd's sight, they are in danger because they're sheep. And so he gives us liberty, like I said, not to enjoy sin, but to enjoy him. Uh, in verse number 10, it says that he gives us life and he gives it more abundantly. Right? The abundant life. Now we've all heard the prosperity gospel and prosperity preachers talking about the abundant life and they're applying it to material things. You follow God and your bank account's full and your, your pantry's full and all these different things, right? But whenever God is talking about the abundant life, he's not talking about material things. He's talking about spiritual things. And he's come to give us life abundantly, eternally. He's giving us a life that is full, a life that has a purpose, a life that has peace, a life that has security, a life that is in his presence. That is an abundant life. He does tell us not to worry about our food and our clothes. He says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will take care of you. If you are following after the shepherd, he's going to make sure you have the things that you need. It may not be as much as you want, but he'll have what you need. Okay? He's not going to let his children go hungry. But the abundant life is one that lasts forever. The abundant life is one that is worth living. And it's worth living down here because we are walking with him we're walking with the giver of life that is willing to give his life for his sheep. That's a life that's worth living. Imagine how much greater of a meaning this would have had for his disciples whenever they looked at this looking back to the cross. Whenever Jesus is making this statement, he's talking about, I lay down my life for my sheep. 
They're like, oh, that's symbolic. No, he meant that one. And after the cross, whenever they're looking back and saying, he really did die for me. He laid down his life for his sheep. He certainly is a good shepherd, right? And so if he loves you so much that he died for you, you can trust that he is going to take care of you. If he had the ability to lay down his life and to take it up again, is there anything in your life that's going to be too hard for him? Nothing, right? And the fact that he has fulfilled all the prophecies tells us he's also going to fulfill all of his promises and that we can rest securely in him because the good shepherd cares for his sheep. And so the last thing that we find in this is I want to challenge you to follow the shepherd. I challenge you to follow the shepherd. Because you may be in here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, He is a good shepherd. He is a good shepherd. And He is calling whosoever will to come unto Him. He has laid down His life. He has paid the price for sin. And He desires to save whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. He wants to save you. He is a good shepherd. But you have to respond to His voice. You have to respond to his voice. It's not just, oh, okay, I believe. It's not just, okay, I'm just going to go through this. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read the Bible. It is, have you ever saw yourself as a sinner in need of a Savior and trusted him to forgive your sins and save your soul? That is whenever you have responded to the shepherd, when you have heard his voice. And if you are in here today that you have trusted Christ as your Savior, he is your shepherd the challenge for you is this. Continue following him. Though we see in this passage how he cares for us, how he watches over us, how he provides for us, if we look at the rest of this, the scripture, if we look at the other passages talking about the shepherds, we find that sheep are prone to wonder. The song says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And if you've been saved any length of time, you understand those words of that song. You understand that as good as God is to you, there is still the flesh that you live in. There is still something pulling you away from him. There are still temptations for you to stray. And what happens whenever we get away from the Savior is we no longer have that protection. We no longer have that provision. You look at passages such as the prodigal son. We're familiar with that. The son had everything that he needed as long as he was in the father's house, as long as he stayed in the fold. But whenever he wandered away, whenever he went to a far country, he ended up being in want, right? Not only that, we find that there is the story of the, the one sheep that left, that Jesus left the 99 to go and find. Sheep can leave the shepherd. Sheep can wander away. Sheep can get distracted. Sheep can get discontent. Sheep can forget about their shepherd. They just get their, their nose down in the grass and just eating, and next thing you know, they're away from the flock. And we do that from time to time. And this is the challenge for each and every one of us. We have the right shepherd. He came the right way. He's called those that belong to him. He cares for them. He protects them. He does all of these great things for us. And yet we are prone to wonder. Realize what a good shepherd that we have. And stay near him. Stay close to him. Stay in his provision. Follow his word. 
and allow him to take care of you, to lead you, to feed you until one of these days we're going to be in glory. And I keep bringing us back to this and realize this, our life is but a vapor. If you live a hundred years down here below, it is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. It is such a small amount compared to eternity. We put so much effort, so much attention into this life below, and we neglect our spiritual life. We neglect our soul. We neglect our Lord. And if we realize how great he is, how long eternity is, and how, as bad as I hate to say this, how much we're going to regret what we blew down here below whenever we see him there, it would cause us to live differently. I'm glad that one of these days we're going to be out of, uh, out of the place where there's sickness, where there's war, where there's uh, pain, where there's suffering, where there's all these different things. I'm going to be glad whenever we can put those things behind us. I'm going to be glad whenever I'm no longer tempted with sin, whenever I'm not, no longer struggling with temptations, whenever I'm no longer battling thoughts and desires and all these. I'm going to be glad when that mess is behind me and I am face-to-face with my Lord in a place that is perfect, where there is no sin, no temptation, no death, no pain. None of, I'm, I'm going to be glad for those things. But until he leads me there, I want to follow him down here. And for us as sheep, realize that you need the shepherd. As I said, we're dumb sheep. I'm including myself. We are dumb sheep. We need to realize we're defenseless. We need the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. You are never going to regret following him. And so he is the good shepherd. Love him and let him lead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, we thank you so much for this passage and how uh, these illustrations of the shepherd and of the flock uh, speaks to our soul and helps to illustrate how well you take care of us. We may not be so familiar with sheep, but uh, as we, we think about them, as we study them, we sure do relate to them. And Lord, it was definitely a, a, a an apt picture that you painted. And we just pray, Lord, to ask you, Lord, help us that we would uh, see our need for you, that we would follow you, we would allow you to care for us, to provide for us until we see you in glory. And we just pray that if there's one here today that don't know you as their Savior, I pray that today would be the day they would hear your voice, they would respond, they would call upon you and ask you to forgive their sins and to save their souls. I pray, Lord, if there is a sheep here today that has wandered away, Lord, that their their heart has been, uh, their, their heart and their mind has been distracted by the world and by the things that are down here, I pray, Lord, that they would wake up or that they would get their eyes on you, that they would follow you once again. Lord, we thank you for your love, your care, your patience with us. We thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd. All these things we pray in Jesus' name and amen.